Before we get started, we want to remind you that now is the perfect time to start planning your trip to Tuscany. Regardless of your budget, we are here to help you. Email us, totaltuscany at gmail.com. We don't charge you anything. All we do is use our personal relationships with travel experts in Tuscany to make sure you have the time of your life. Again, the email is totaltuscany at gmail.com. This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, episode 86. For me, the, the, the most interesting thing is watching how people react to a contemporary work of art in a very classical setting. You know, I could sit there for hours, grab a cappuccino, a spritz from across the piazza and just watch the interaction because it can be very creative. Our good friend Helen Farrell is back on the Total Tuscany podcast as the September edition of The Florentine is out. She's referencing a new piece of artwork in Florence, Emmanuel Gianelli's Mr. Arbitrium. The giant sculpture is on display until October 31st and is open for interpretation. Is it all good art? It is causing quite a stir in the Piazza di San Lorenzo. Want to know more? Well, just keep listening or subscribe to The Florentine today. Pat, the cool thing about this is we are going to have some regularity finally again with the Total Tuscany podcast because... Helen Farrell has been so gracious and generous with her time, and we are now subscribers of the Florentine that we we can just monthly talk about what's coming up in the magazine. Yeah, and the uh, the connection she is fabulous. She's she's really uh, she she produces great content. She's a wealth of information, and it, it for people like us that are always looking to get back there, uh, it, it really connects us. I, I would say this: if you're planning a trip to Florence. And, well, first of all, I would say, you know, reach out to us, totaltuscany at gmail.com, and we can start that process for you and really help you go in the right direction. Because you can plan a trip on one month's notice, you can plan it on six months' notice, you can plan it a year in advance. There's different ways to go about it. But if you really want to become up-to-date, find out kind of what's going on in Florence, not just from a, a broad tourist perspective, but the really, really cool stuff that you may not hear about all the time from tour guides or travel agencies. The Florentine is a magazine you want to subscribe to because it comes out monthly and they really dig into the, the cool stuff that is happening from an art perspective, from a wine perspective, from a cultural perspective all around Florence and Tuscany. The good and the bad. Yes. And, and it's the kind of material that if you, if you visit, you're going to have a great time. You go to Tuscany, Florence, you're going to have a great time anyway, but if you read the Florentine when you come home, you're going to be like, damn, I wish I had known that when I was yeah. there. It gives you those little nuggets of information. So for every month that the Florentine comes out, Helen Farrell is going to join us every month to, to really highlight what's coming out or what is out in that month's magazine. And that's why uh, Helen Farrell joins us today to talk about the September edition of the Florentine magazine on the Total Tuscany podcast. Excited after our last conversation, we decided, you know what? What if we just do these monthly to, 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 to highlight what's coming up in the Florentine or what's just been released in the Florentine? And it's a great idea because it, it lets us produce more content, but it also helps get the word out about the Florentine, which, by the way, I am now an official subscriber to the Florentine. Thank you so much. I mean, it, it means a lot, you know, it, to, to know that we're connecting from across the miles, across the ocean. It's a big deal, you know, this, this little magazine. That's become 
become so popular all over the world. We're quite proud. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes, the popularity it is, and every time you release an issue, you go, man, I just love doing this. <laughs> Mostly I'm just like, oh, now I can go to sleep for a couple of days, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I joined, I also am a member. Is that, wow. I am, but I regret that I, I went with the digital version and not the print version. Because for me, I'm sure a lot of your subscribers are the same way. I don't, if I don't see it, I forget it. And I don't read it as often as I should. And when I pick it up, it's fabulous. I, I love the article that you wrote about Francis Mays for a lot of different reasons. But I just didn't see it until, until it was just a little bit later than I expected, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is the problem, this lag time that we have, right? Because digital allows us to do so much. But there's something about the print magazine at the moment. People are just loving the physicality, you know, the tactility of having print objects. We held a, a reader's event last night, a sort of a pitch party, you know, where the community could come along and, and share their ideas, give us constructive feedback, hopefully constructive feedback. And, um, and there was a digital entrepreneur there from LA, and he was just like, I just love the print magazine. You know, somebody who works with you know, the digital world on a daily basis. But um, it's, it's funny, there's something about it that people just still love reading something in print. You know what I think it is? I think it makes it real. Right. I, I think we're, we're so used to being on our phones, so used to being on a, on a computer, holding something physically still makes it feel real. Mm -hmm. and, and like it's like, OK, I, I I'm touching this. I'm seeing the pictures, even though we're getting the same experience and you're holding it up right now. Uh, there's a perfect example. I think the hard part, though, is in America. And you even say uh, when you when you subscribe to the Florentine is, you know, if you're overseas, it's probably best just to do the digital version because you don't know how long it's going to take to get from Florence. To, to us delivered in Omaha, Nebraska, it could be a complete month behind before we even get it. Yeah, it's that. And I, I guess I mean, the other reason is, you know, the, the same sustainability part of it or you know, sending sending a print object over the miles. I mean, I get it. People love to have it. But I mean, if for Florence returners like you guys, you know, they're here all the time. You can drop by the office when you're next here and get get like, you know, the six, nine months that you've not had. You can collect. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, the good news is I'll be there in December. Patch just doesn't want to go with me again. For some reason, he doesn't uh, want to travel with, with my wife and I. So he's, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's blowing us off and, and not coming with us in December. But the September issue is now out. Uh, and what, what are you most proud of of the September issue? And, and what's the big article for, for the September issue? I mean, the, the big thing right now that everybody's going a bit bananas about is this ginormous statue that's been put up as if it's pushing um, the the side of the Basilica di San Lorenzo, you know, the, the, with its unfinished facade that um, Michelangelo was supposed to collect the marble and, and finish it off, and he never managed to do that. So we don't we don't have the facade. There's still no news on whether they'll ever finish the facade. But in the meantime, there's this statue um, that's been made by a, a Rome-born artist who's based in Pietra Santa. Uh, along the coast, where you know Michelangelo is supposed to be getting the uh, the marble from, <laughs> ironically, and this statue is basically pushing the side of the basilica, as if he's sort of like supporting or pushing religion in some sort of way, and it's fascinating. You can imagine all of the people who are, you know, doing all these photo selfie opportunities, TikToking with the statue. Um, so that's the big thing right now. 
is it, 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 it what do you think of the uh, of the statue is, is it one of those interpretive pieces like how do you interpret what the statue's doing i mean in for me, the, the, the most interesting thing is watching how people react to a contemporary work of art in a very classical setting. You know, I could sit there for hours, grab a cappuccino, a spritz from across the piazza and just watch the interaction because it can be very creative, you know. Um, so, so that's what I find particularly fascinating in terms of what the artwork actually stands for. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating in, in terms of just seeing um you know just considering is, is this about supporting florence is it about supporting religion is it about um is the artist making us consider what religion is about after a pandemic time and, and what we're going through so i think it raises a lot of questions but mostly it's that whole you know reactivity to to a piece of artwork in the square mm. is it well received by the local florentines or is is this just a tourist destination how does it how is it received there so, um, I mean, you know what Florentines are like? They have this very wicked sense of humor at times, no? And so one of the first reactions was this, um, it was this little note that was put up to the left of the statue on the Basilica wall, signed by the San Lorenzo Rione, the community, basically saying, and please excuse my, you know, directness, but this is the Florentine sense of humor. Let's hope this statue doesn't doesn't break wind, doesn't fart, or will end up at the local hospital. And wouldn't it have been better, they say to the artist, if you'd taken this statue to Pisa to help, you know, uh, prop up the crooked tower. And it's hilarious. And it's it's still there, this note next next to the the statue you know nobody's taking it down so there's this freedom of speech you know and even the local community is having their say in their very florentine tongue-in-cheek way you, you mentioned the san lorenzo area how how thick are the communities just within the city like that when you when you break it up in, in, in into the areas and in, in, in looking after their own area of, of florence yeah i mean they are because of course we have the the cultural historical uh, every June around the, the the feast day of San Giovanni, the, who's the patron saint of Florence. And so um, it, that really comes to the forefront around June every year when there's this, you know, very uh, violent sort of rugby stroke, football stroke wrestling match in Piazza Santa Croce. But yeah, I mean, there is this sense of community. Um, it's a small city, isn't it? It's walkable. So it doesn't always manifest itself, but there is a sense of pride. Obviously, there aren't as many residents mainly in Florence these days that we might we might like. So that's dwindling. You know, we have to make sure that we maintain the the sense of um, of community that we have. Uh, Helen, you mentioned and Pat just mentioned it, and I'm kind of jealous here because you have an interview with Francis Mays in the in the September issue of the Florentine. Uh, full disclosure here, Pat and I have tried since we started this podcast almost eight years ago to get Francis Mays on this on this podcast. Probably a dozen times. We, we have failed miserably. Uh, we're, we're just now taking it personally. We don't know why she doesn't like us. Uh, maybe it's because she's never met us. Uh, but, uh, you, you, you know, maybe if, if you ever see Francis say, hey, you should really do this podcast. It, it would be uh, they're, they're two pretty good blokes. Well, I'm, you know, this might be the right moment because she's just released a new book. Um, a place in the world and it's beautiful she's very kindly and generously allowed us to reprint an excerpt from the book in the September edition and I've read this excerpt maybe about 
five, six times now, and it's it's just exquisitely written. So um, Frances is obviously, she's a superstar for anybody who loves Tuscany. And um, I had the, the opportunity, the honour to interview her in June uh, up at Rufina's Wine Estate um, in the countryside. And it was, a, it was one of those moments when you talk about pinching yourself, I was pinching myself as I was interviewing Frances Mays and listening to her, you know, speak because she's, we all know of her because of Under the Tuscan Sun, right? But she's so much more than Under the Tuscan Sun. I mean, she's written so many different publications, so many different books. She's a former professor of, of literature. I mean, she's 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 a very deep and very, very fascinating individual. So, you know, if if I manage to get through Francis for you, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that she would be a, a, a person to interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably went about it the wrong way, you know, because I don't know her, you know, her publicist team or her PR team. So, you know, we just we just tweet at her and, and say, hey, come on, come on the podcast. We'd love to have you. I don't know if that's a real good way to, to get somebody to come on the podcast or not, but it's the only thing we knew how to do. We're like, oh, let's just let's just tweet at her. Let's send her a Facebook message. It's probably like, these guys are really, really weird. But I, so I, <laughs> I, we need we need like validation from people like you to go, no, these guys are these They're guys okay. are legit. We've, they've been doing so you asked her a great question, I thought, in your article. You asked, uh, I'm not going to phrase it like you did, but basically, do you feel any responsibility for all the people and all the tourism coming to Cortona and to Tuscany? And and her response was pretty interesting. But I wanted to, and so I, I would encourage your subscribers to read that article. It's a great article. But I want to turn that around and ask you the same thing. Do you feel any responsibility for all of the people coming to Florence and Tuscany because of your magazine? And, and how you present it to the Western world. I mean, we're all people who work in the media, you know? We're all people who are putting out information into the world. And so, you know, it's our professional duty and responsibility to to always put facts out there for people to interpret. How they choose to interpret them and what they choose to do with that information is, of course, their responsibility but it's it's you know that we have an ethical responsibility as as media professionals to to make sure that uh, that is always factual so yeah yeah i mean i i always consider everything that we publish and and hope that you know that our readers are discerning enough to 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 then do with it as they will in in the most responsible way how do you stay away from, because I don't think you do this, how do you stay away from like clickbait material? Because, I mean, I think all your stories are, are great. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have had those conversations. Hey, do we need more clicks? We, we need more, that's how we, we, we drive readership. That's how we drive revenue. I don't think you have clickbait material. Is that a struggle within your, within your own organization to stay away from that? Or is it, is it purpose-driven? No, no, it's purpose driven. I mean, I think this is the this is a really interesting time for. Um, I don't want to get into this; it might be boring. I don't know, but um, it's interesting for publications right now because a lot of the publications that survived the pandemic are, are niche ones, right? They serve a certain target audience. It's the mainstream newspapers and the big media companies that are suffering. Um, so, I mean, we've never had to. Um, you know, go down that route because we serve a community and we we make sure that we're always trying to give that community what they want, which is why we did this readers event last night, which is why we're doing a a hike up to Fiesole with wine afterwards on on the 25th, ironically, the day of the general elections in Italy, people might need to drown their sorrows. So, you know, it's, this is the thing is we're all 
to listen to what the community needs and give them what they need. And therefore, we, we don't have to go down that route. Also, because our advertising revenue, we don't go after like, you know, the big multinational. That's not us. It's very much relationship based. You know, it's our, our readers are often our advertisers and vice versa. So um, it's a self-propelling sort of economy in many ways. So besides the, the, the statue and uh, the, the story of Francis Mays, some other highlights from the September issue of the Florentine. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on right now. I mean, there's the concern the last time we spoke, you know, there were the, there were the wildfires up along the coast near Luca. Uh, after that, we had a, an incredible storm on August the 18th, which really, you know, devastated some parts of Tuscany. I mean, like uprooting, you know, centuries old pine woods uh, near Carrara and, and other things. So, so we focus on the direct effect of climate change on Tuscany's food system. For example, we've got a new writer who, who's come on board, Mary Biddle, who's, who's right, talking about that. And then September is always about events. You know, it's always about what's going on in the cultural scene. So right now we have the Firenze Jazz Festival, which is extraordinary. We have all of these incredible venues all over Florence um, with like over 120 top musicians from around the world, Italian and international folks who are who are playing. Um, another big um, clean energy and, and climate-based thing is this uh, the TED Talks that they're doing up in Fiesole's Roman Amphitheatre. Uh, towards the end of this month and then of course there's Palazzo Strozzi that we can't wait we've got this new Icelandic uh, I think he's Icelandic uh, artist uh, Olafur Elasson who's who's going to be you know transforming the Renaissance Palace into who knows what uh, you never quite know what's going down Palazzo Strozzi there's Florence Art Week there's Henry Moore at uh, Museo Novecento um, there's so much going on. So, I mean, this is a really exciting time of the year to, you know, not just to come now, but to plan as well, because these are these are events with long tails on them, you know, that, that people will be able to come and see until January often. So it's 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 a good time to be here. And is, is there a big project coming up in October that you've already identified as uh, something <laughs> that will star in the next issue? Um, I mean, October, there's, there's this huge fine wine event that's going on at the Palazzo Vecchio. I mean, it's something that's costing like 6,000 euros a ticket or something. And uh, last year they did it in London in Mayfair and Kylie Minogue, the Australian singer, she was she headlined at this festival. So that's the big thing in October that we're aware of. Um, we, I just got the press material about that. So, so that's going to be quite interesting. It's something that's never happened in Florence before. Um, so yeah, that, that will be, that will be a fascinating one. And then aside from that, I mean, there's the usual, you know, exhibitions that are starting up again and everything else. But, uh, the thing about Florence is you often don't get the information until about two weeks before something happens. <laughs> so, so it's always watch this space. Often we don't know. Often we have to change things at the last possible minute. <laughs> so the, the, the staff writer meetings are like, what are we going to write about? What are we going to write about? And then it's like two weeks. Oh, all these press releases come in and now it's a, now it's a, a mad rush to, to get that thing produced. I, uh, having worked in television for, for many, many years, I know exactly uh, what, what you're going through, which is... Uh, which is very interesting. You know, we're getting ready for, of course, I plan my trip around Christmas. And, and you mentioned the wine events and the and the music events. One thing, if you've never been to Florence, you've really been to Italy, 
Um, they know how to put, they know how to put on events over there. They really, really do. I, I still say Christmas is the most magical time in Florence that I've ever been around anything. And I even went to Arezzo. I think Arezzo does it really well. Most, most cities do. I mean, I mean that, that is artwork in itself. I mean, I think everything from the events that, that I've been to almost, they are works of art. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, Christmas is so special. And for many years now, we've had this uh, F light festival, you know, where basically the Ponte Vecchio gets lit up with the most extraordinary, like contemporary lights, creative light show, yep. not Ponte Vecchio. You know, so many of the city's monuments have this these light shows projected onto them. And you mentioned Arezzo, Empoli as well is incredible every year and a really pretty town to go and see over the Christmas period. I'd recommend that actually next time you come over, come to the Empoli as well because it's it's beautiful, you know. And uh, and then of course there's that moment where maybe you've 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 been to the Odeon Cinema to see to see a film and then you come into Piazza della Repubblica and Rinascente has the full light show on, you know, and it's, it's just dazzling and it is an absolutely magical time of year to be here. Uh, the newest edition of the Florentine is out. We encourage you to subscribe today. You can get the digital copy. You can also get the digital and the hard copy, which will be mailed to you. It's a fabulous magazine to keep you up to date on what's going on in Florence and Tuscany. Helen Farrell, it's always good to catch up with you. We'll do it again next month. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Travis, what do you think the odds are that we now interview Francis Mays? Well, I'm going to take Helen at her, at her word. I think, she, I think she's going to help. I still think it's a big hurdle. I, I, at one point, I thought we, we had a strong chance mm -hmm. because I was that confident and that arrogant. Mm -hmm. um, and then I became less and less... Um, enthused, not enthused about interviewing, but just enthused about our own ability to, to, to be able to, to secure an interview. Right. Um, I'm not, I, I'm going to cross my fingers. I'm going to put it at 50, 50. You probably think it's about 80, 90%. I, don't I know. would, I would say 75, 80%. Wow. Yes. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to go one step further. I would like to aim for an in-person interview at Bramasoli. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going in December. I might be able to make that happen. Oh, you're not going with me. No, because <laughs> I wasn't invited. <laughs> That's not true. That is not true listeners, that you were the not The listeners invited. know the truth. Uh, but we do want to thank Helen Farrell for uh, uh, going to make the introduction to, to Francis Mays. That would be super cool. Helen's going to be back in October to talk about the October issue of The Florentine. If you haven't subscribed yet, uh, look for the link in the write-up right here on the website totaltuscany.com or just search the Florentine magazine and it's very inexpensive. Uh, the digital copy is like 25 bucks a year or something like that. Very. But but I think that print version is if you're like me and you want it on your coffee table, that's well, something to that's go with. a sign of age that you still like to have that print version in your it's hands. It's because we're all inundated with so much digital content. I think go with the with the magazine. It, but I'm sustainable and care about Mother Earth, therefore I'm I'm just going to do the digital I recycle content. when I read. <laughs> If you can tell, Pat and I like to, to, to have fun with one another. For Pat Campania, I'm Travis Justice. Here's a quick reminder. Like the Total Tuscany Facebook page. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you have anything you would like us to talk about, feel free to reach out to us and uh, let us know. You can do that, totaltuscany at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Total Tuscany Podcast. Total Tuscany Podcast.